Hey there, people of the interwebs. Brandon Noel here. Uh, before we dive into this week's book, um, uh, if you wanted to support or uh, uh, help us out in any way, um, destinycomics.com. We got bookmarks. We got short story anthologies. We got novellas. You're a ravenous reader. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And so we have all kinds of goodies for you, um, hand-painted bookmarks um, at destinycomics.com. If you wanted to support us in any other way, there is patreon.com slash destinycomics. That's comics, C-O-M-I-X. You can get this podcast early as well as... um, uh, YouTube uh, video exclusives, uh, original art, all kinds of fun stuff behind the, the scenes of, of uh, my graphic novels and, and that kind of stuff. Um, all available at patreon.com slash destinycomics. Now, this week's episode is Comstock Load by Louis L'Amour. Not going to lie, uh, I'm not a big fan of westerns, um, but... Louis L'Amour sucked me in. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Didn't think I would. Um, but it has one of the best endings of any book I think I've ever read um, during the three years of this podcast. Um, of course, we're going to spoil that for you. If you haven't read Comstock Load, you might want to take the time to, to pause this episode, read that, Louis L'Amour, um, a classic. We're, re- we're going to read a Louis L'Amour book again in the future. Um, I'm currently reading it at the time of this recording. Uh, really impressed with him as an author. Not something I would have picked up if I wasn't a part of a book club. And that's the beauty of being a part of a book club is you expand your horizons, you expand your mind, you try things that you wouldn't normally try. And uh, Louis L'Amour is one of those things that I never would have picked up. Um, But I'm glad I did. And I've been very impressed with him as an author. Now, once again, before we dive in today's episode, DestinyComics.com for all your booking needs. And um, uh, Patreon.com slash DestinyComics. Yes. Yeah, I got it written down too. I was just starting the editing on um, uh, Hunger Games, the Hunger Games episode. Um, that was actually a fun conversation. I was going back and listening through through some of it. I was like, oh yeah, this is this is fun. <laughs> oh yeah, we do have fun doing these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fun? What is fun? I don't know. It's been so long. She went that way. Sorry, we're trying to wrangle the pets real quick. They're being ornery. The the new animated Adams Family movie was fun. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. The the artwork was based on the original cartoons by Charles Adams that appeared in the New Yorker magazine back in the 30s. Yeah, um, I liked it. Um, The plot was a little... For me, but I liked the overall movie. Nice. 
Do you want another question? No, this is no. It could have been a, a a little like I preferred the the live the first two live action movies, um, but I was happy to see the art that they they did stick really close to those New York comics. New York comics. Oh, that way we can get all, you know all of this in there. <laughs> and those are some of the best like New Yorker comics ever, by the way. The original Adams Family stuff. They were like Marmaduke. They were single panel. Oh. A full page. Okay, are we all here? For the most part, I'm just... Oh, your cover looks better than ours. Yeah, this is ours. <sighs> See, I have your cover too, Wayne, but I have mine digitally. Ah. <laughs> uh. Also, for some reason, mine clocks in at 500 pages. My ours is 505. Oh, is it? Okay. We also have a um, a interview with Louis Lamore at the end of ours, though. But oh, yeah. I, got, I got that too, but I didn't read it. That's that's okay. like 505 is just the story for us. It's not the interview oh, uh, or anything. I have 829 pages, <laughs> but. Oh no, he's got stuff ours doesn't. <laughs> it's it's because I have the large print edition. Oh, oh that's that right. Sense. That's right. The ours is more. Yeah. yeah. So, so I could read this story? one. How is everybody? Okay, we're doing all right. Good. I'm doing okay. Okay. Doing well. <laughs> it's about the best we could hope for right now, honestly. Let's yeah. talk how everyone is like, eh, yeah, yeah. Right. Trying to build up excitement. Life, you know. Yeah. Apocalyptic life. Mm-hmm. I don't okay. know what you guys are talking about. I haven't done anything. <laughs> you never do anything. Oh, by the way, Dave, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. That was two weeks ago. <laughs> I know, but this is the first time we've been able to talk. Our sleep patterns are very different. That's what Facebook Messenger is for. <laughs> Happy belated birthday, Dave. I was waiting to do it over this, so, you know, it'd be more happy. Personable. I Facebook messenger too. Mm, sell out. <laughs> well, I didn't know it was your birthday, so happy birthday. <laughs> no, thank you. I say so angrily. Happy <laughs> birthday. Oh, you're speaking in German, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that a bunk uh, bed, Lewis? What? Is that a bunk bed? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a loft bed. I got a bed up here, but like a desk portion underneath, so it's just empty. Oh, okay. Yeah, my apartment's real tiny, and I have no space, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are the Bookies. Uh, we are a once-a-month book club podcast. Uh, my name is Brandon Noel. Justin. Oh, oh my, my turn? Yeah. Uh, Justin Stallard. Bonnie Stallard. David McFarland. <laughs> Wayne Abraham. Great start. Luis Lopez. <laughs> Amelie Noel. And we are the bookies. This month, uh, we have read uh, Comstock Load, um, Comstock Load uh, by Louis L'Amour. Uh Justin, this was your book. You want to give a brief plot synopsis and why you put it in? 
Um, well, it's it's a, a historical novel uh, based around uh, the Comstock load of Virginia City, right? Virginia yeah. City, yeah, yeah. Virginia City, yeah. Nevada. The Virginia City, Nevada, and uh, it. Oh, my brain just went blank. It's a it's a revenge. Story. It's a it's a revenge story. Uh, it starts out with murder in the beginning and and uh, the vengeance of that of those murders in the end and you know you're, and as in true western fashion the cowboy or in this case miner rides off with a girl in the end. Um, uh, one of the reasons I. Uh, I uh, suggested it. it suggested it. Uh, suggested it was because uh, when I first started reading on, on a serious level, of course, it's not very serious reading. Um, this was one of the first large books that I read, um, and I enjoyed it immensely. So I, I thought I would uh, inflict it on everybody else. Inflict. <laughs> because L- Louis L'Amour is not known for his... Uh, um, he, oh, his, his, his reads are not... His books aren't very hard to read. You know, His average novel is 150 to 200 pages. And written in a way where even I can read one of those in a day if I really work at it. So uh, I feel like that's why he's so popular. A lot of my uh, clients who are older, like, they... I can't tell you how many of the guys, if they're readers, have Louis Lamour books just, like, on their nightstand. Yeah. And that's where I first heard of him. I was like, oh, yeah. uh, he's very but, popular. But at the same time, he he's very good with his with his descriptions of the places that are mentioned and he's, he's done the research. And in some cases, like in this one, you know, he worked as a hard rock underground miner for a time. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows his subject material. So it, it makes for a, a, a realistic, a read. realistic read, but easy to read. <clears throat> and his, his stories are usually are usually uh, uh, entertaining as well. So, yeah. uh, the inter- uh, the interview at the end of the book was interesting, and and one of the things that he pointed out is that he he does his best to travel to those places, visit them in person, because when you're hiking around through a canyon and stuff like that, you notice things that you wouldn't notice from the normal tourist shots. And, and so he, he will notice stuff that's off the beaten trail that maybe nobody has mentioned and he'll incorporate it into his story because he was there and he, he saw it. Mm -hmm. And in some of his books, he even went so far as to include a a map of the area. Who was one of this? Um, yeah, at the beginning. Oh, okay, on the written version, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
then you can be quite certain that the maps in his books are, are accurate for the for the time. Was there a map in the one that you had? Because mine didn't have one. Yeah, mine didn't have one either. Um, our, our Kindle, Kindle one had a map. Our Kindle edition had a map. Uh, oh, man. That's cool. Yeah, No map in mine. So the Utah Territory in California, Virginia Range, and Virginia City. Like I kind of had a rough idea of where things were more or less. Yeah, but and one of the, a fun thing is Virginia City is the same city that, if I remember right, that the Bonanza series is centered around. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Um, uh, I think in the, in the TV show Bonanza, they were talking about Virginia City, Nevada as well. Hmm. It was either or that Silver City. And I don't know if you're... If, I, for some reason, I've always equated the two together. I don't know if you guys have it in the end of your book, but in the back of ours, we have an advertisement for a um, one of his other books. It's a graphic novel, <laughs> and like it, it's pretty cool. It shows you like some images from it. That's um, a Louis L'Amour cool. graphic novel. Yeah, let me see yeah. what which one it was. I'm assuming it must be like an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, it's an adaptation. Yeah. It's a graphic novel, Law of the Desert Born. Oh, that's cool. So it's like a graphic novelization of that one, and it's cool because it kind of has an old timey uh, feel to the advertisement. Because like the first page it says, "Forget the law, of the jungle," and then you go to the next page, and it's you know, uh, what's the next page? Um, it says, "The worst draw in memory, an act of revenge." It's kind of like an old timey like, yeah, almost what you might hear on the radio almost. You know, <clears throat> I like that. That's cool. That's one of the other things is that he collects antique maps. Yeah. yeah. So, so if he's writing about an era, chances are he has maps from that era. Right. That would make sense. Okay, well, Justin, you want to get and, do, uh, and tell us your uh, favorite bits about it? Um. <laughs> I was looking at the cover, not your, not your notes. Um, my uh, some of my favorite bits. Um, Who's your favorite actor? Who's your favorite the character? favorite character? Our main character was all right, but I tended to like Jacob Teal and Jim Ledbetter <laughs> a little better than our hero. Which I had a soft spot for Jim. I did, <laughs> huh? I had a soft spot for Jim, yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, but the, some of the little there were some little funny bits there. I can't bring remember them. I need to start making notes. Yes. Um, towards the end of the book, where uh, oh, the banter between two of the. The, our hero and one of the bad guys was kind of funny. You talking about the shoveler? The because yeah. that's the only banter in the book when you mean the axe. Yeah, the axe when they're um, he's like everyone else is up on Boot Hill. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. But there was something that was kind of funny before that, and I can't remember where it was. A whole bunch of little quaint there, there's little, people. Little little bits of of a of, uh, of humor throughout the book. You know, they make you—they don't make you laugh per se, but they give you a little chuckle here and there. 
it's like unexpected for a western i imagine these little these yeah. little funny moments you know yeah and uh, those happen in life too yeah yeah um uh the way oh i don't know the uh, he he had really his character development i think was pretty good mm-hmm. you know because he started with the kids in the beginning and you 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 got you had a chance to kind of grow up with them a little bit so you mm-hmm. you got a sense of uh the type of people they would have been yeah and i mean this book takes place over a span of i think it's like 30 ish um, years more 18 or less. Uh, 50 to uh, uh, eight, uh, 1880 or 18... No, 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 not 50. I mean, dang it. It takes a course of 50, about 20 years. Yeah. 1850 to 1870. Yeah. I disagree with that. I thought it did. No, because they're talking about the Civil War. And the Civil yeah, War there's, there's Civil War talk. No, I think the Civil War ends, starts in 1860. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah. I think it was only like. I 10 think it's years. only ten years because yeah. they, they were years? saying that the girl is only twenty one years old. I think right. he was ten at the time. It's yeah, been more right. than ten years. He was thirteen. Oh, no, I, I think he was right, thirteen. But not my mind, though. Yeah. Well, I think the jump goes. The the main jump is ten years, and then the rest of the story takes place over like a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's one thing that kind of throws you that when he starts talking about the you know, the mine area where he's working and all that. There's there's a a couple of years of time passage mm-hmm. through there, but uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the characters and the the Justin flow. Justin always the, likes a good western. This is one of his favorite authors. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Funny. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So there was a couple things. Where was that one? Because I saved it. Um, before I get to that, so there was a couple things that I liked. Um, my favorite character was probably um, Teal. I actually liked Farmer Peel also, the the crack shot, you know, who even he's like, I'm not the best, you know, kind of a thing. Um, and um, gosh, that scene—it's not so my favorite scene. It just popped in my brain with. That stinking young dumb kid who thinks he's gonna become the the, the captain, you know? You're just like, oh, chief. I'm gonna be the either yeah. the chief of the town or the best looking corpse yeah. by nightfall. And, and and he, you know, valid kind of talked him out of it initially, and then later here he comes, and there he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of my favorite scenes is the um, where he's taken his little teeny tiny claim that's right next to the Solomon uh, at night. Yeah. You know, because he's, I mean, he's filed all the proper paperwork, but he goes to stake it at night because he, he, uh, he knows that they're going to think he's trespassing. Yeah. And uh, that whole interaction with the guy, he's like, you're going to need to crawl where you're going to go next. Guy tries to stand. I didn't break it, but you need to crawl where you're trying to go next, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your leg is going to heal in a couple weeks, and it's not broken. But um, That's one of my favorite bits. Um, I, I I loved – I mean, I figured out way early, obviously, that, that 
um, what's his name? Um, Hesketh. Hesketh was the pale-eyed man, you know, even before he was really described. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be the guy that orchestrated everything. Who's going to get him? And I, I actually really liked that it wasn't Trevelyan that got him. Yeah. That it was Jacob Peel, you know, who's like, he may or may not survive completely. He may, he may end up with an infection after all these, these, these gunshot wounds and he's barely staggering from the hospital over here, but he, he killed the guy. Yeah. Because that was his job was to protect the girl and she, cause she saw something. He was just very honorable. Like you've got this guy who will kill for money, but he's got his code of conduct, you know, like. Yeah. Very honorable. Yeah. I will say I was glad because for half a second at the end with like, oh Hesketh is dead. I'm like, what? We're not gonna be able to see it? What? And then yeah. they had that bit. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I was that way too. I was like, what do you mean? Hey, come on. This whole book and we don't get to see how we die. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And then there was that little That's all I needed. Thank you. Um yeah, I'm right there with you. So there was a there's a scene where um Trevelyan's talking to um, Melissa at the bakery. You're getting her set up for the bakery. And he's telling her, just listen. um, He's like, stay out of it. Because she's asking him about some of the politics and stuff. She's like, they're talking about these things. I don't know some of this stuff. And fill me in. And he's like, they won't expect a woman to know anything about politics, so you don't have to take sides. Keep your own conscience and let them debate the issue. This is my favorite part. Nobody is ever convinced by argument anyway. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. So true. <laughs> He's like, they just think so of relevant. new reasons. I love this. They just think of new reasons for maintaining old positions and become more defensive. Yeah. The thing to remember is that no matter what they believe, they all drink coffee, eat donuts and pies. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you don't have to pick sides. You just keep seeing them. They'll keep coming in and talking. And, God, but it was, it was so just kind of funny. It was like, nobody's convinced by argument. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's true. They're just going to keep arguing. <laughs> I remember reading the bell curve and thinking like, this is, this is like, it's almost like he's explaining it in a very modern way, given that it's a Western right. hundreds. Right. But it's just, it's true. It's just, it's a fact. <laughs> fact about politics. Yeah. <laughs> but, fact about yeah. argument, period. Yeah. Right. Well, and, the bell so, curve. Like, that's, not, that's not 100% accurate. When you're arguing with somebody, you and I are going to change positions. But the people around us will change positions. Maybe, maybe not. That's the scientific fact. It's called the bell curve. Yeah, but she's talking about like if you're arguing directly with the person. Uh-huh. Like if you and I are arguing about something, you're not. Mine's not going to uh-huh. change. Mine's not going to change. Yeah. But this is why we have public debates is because of the bell curve. We have public debates because it's a show. <laughs> 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 um, but anyway, I wasn't trying to get into politics because uh. Uh-uh. Especially not right now. I just cannot wait for it to be after the first week of November. It needs to be done. So done. But it was, it was a point that, that I felt applied now. It applied then. It applied in the time period that he wrote it, but it applied the time that he actually wrote it, not just the period piece. You know, his, his comment on it was valid. He wrote it in 1982. Yeah. But it was taking place in the late 1800s. But anyway, um, I um, I liked it. It was it was a good story. It was, it was really predictable, but that's okay. Um, there was one thing that surprised me. I like to be surprised. It so rarely happens. Was it how much they thought Melissa was capable? <laughs> no, no, that didn't surprise me. No, it was um, Manfred. 
how he turned out to be the son of the family we all thought was all long gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. I was like, oh, wait, we know him. Oh, cool. That was the one thing that was like, oh, that was a surprise. Surprise. How nice. There was a surprise in the story. I thought that Not was everything. kind of a weird cop-out because I was like, eh, they, I don't know if they would have survived that. Well, he, the rest of his family didn't, and he almost didn't. And he wouldn't have if he hadn't been. Uh, yeah, if, true, if, true. If, yeah. So, if it hadn't so, been for the bad guy, uh, Heska. Yeah, Heska, yeah. So that that was neat to be surprised because that so rarely happens. So, all right, David, your turn. Where's that cat? I'll spray her. For half a second, I thought you were spraying David. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> no. Our cat like is growling at the other cats, and I'm, yeah. I'm irritated. Bad name, off the furniture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously, my favorite guy was Albert Hesketh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the dude had everything planned out. He was he was great at it. It's just the 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 book needed to have a good ending, and they didn't want the bad guy to win. That's all it was. But I Albert think Hesketh, he was not good of a bad guy. He was a bad guy. He stole and murdered. No, no, no. I mean, he was the bad guy. But I don't know if he was that good at being the bad guy. He thought he was that good at being the bad guy, and he had some calculating moments. But I think that's kind of what his downfall was, was his arrogance. Like, he just assumed yeah. he was going to get away with it. Like if he, had- he, he, was, he was the bad guy, and, and your average reader won't like him. Yeah. But to me, I liked him. But So he, he was my, my favorite character out of the book. But anyway, um, what I really liked about it was um, Louis's uh, description of how accurate it was about traveling through the desert. Oh, yeah. Because I've gone geocaching a lot out in the middle of the desert. And after I read that, it could be very, very deadly, especially since a couple of times my friend ran out of water while we were hiking out in the middle of the desert and I had to share mine with him. And if he didn't have, if I didn't have anything, we would have been stuck miles and miles away from the truck. And I could totally see how those people were feeling traveling just one way Mm -hmm. through that, through that blistering desert while carrying all of their crap. I I loved how he was talking about how on the, like there's things that they would just, throw out to lighten the load. They yeah, to lighten the load. They're going to figure, oh. hey, because they're probably figuring, hey, we could probably get this again in town or order it from California. Can we get along without it? And they just kept what they what they. Anybody thought. want that set of encyclopedias? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think, that, I think that's what it was, Wayne, was a set of One, one of them, yeah. yeah. One of them yeah. was a set of encyclopedias they saw yeah. as they drove yeah. by. About, about the only thing you good for, it would be good for, is to start your campfire back out there. Toilet paper. Yeah, or toilet paper. <laughs> no. But um, let me see. Yeah, the, the, the story, in my opinion, was a classic story of revenge. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he, he, he didn't know what was going to happen, and he... Trevelyan, he didn't know what was going to happen. He, he, he was searching through life trying to find all these people, and he was told that he was going to eat up his life, and it almost did. Yeah. Until he decided to stop. That's when he was saying that he didn't want to kill anymore. That's basically when he said he didn't really want it to control his life anymore, and he became the miner. But the then it found him. That was he had already killed so much that it was, it was following him at that point. 
Yeah. By the time he's done, like the others were on to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also like uh, some of the descriptions of the town, the mines, and the countryside. It, it made me feel like I was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. yeah, he was really good with descriptions. I mean, it made me feel like I was watching some old spaghetti western with Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Um, and one of the funny quips that, that you guys forgot was when uh, they wanted to hire a lawyer and Trevelyan said lawyers are at the beginning of the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, let me see. Oh, and one of the things that I thought was, was uh, really crafty and clever was how they planned on killing Trevelyan in the mine the first time. Because I, I really don't know anything about mining. But after reading this book, I feel like I could probably go into a hole now and kind of know what I am think I might be knowing. <laughs> oh, were they, uh, were they put a char- part yeah. of the charge in the mm-hmm. hole? Where they drilled a hole and put a blasting cap in it. Yeah, and then he was going to go in there and finish the the tapping, and it would have blown up on him. I go, I thought that would be a clever, clever way to to kill somebody, and it would probably uh, a common occurrence that happened back then, oh, yeah. and no one would have really thought twice about it. They're just going to say, "Oh, some some guy in his mind got killed," and that would have been out. Yeah, he blew himself up. Yep. 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 Talked about that. Like, look if. When, if and when they do get discovered, they'll probably just assume, oh, it was an accident. You know? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and I think what he says is, like, the only thing that would be appropriate is, like, like a sad day and a funeral. And, like, that's it. Nobody would question it. Yeah. yeah. They would just go, like, oh, he, he killed himself by accident. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, let me see. No, they're, they're, I mean, yeah, I got a lot of notes because I like every time I read something, every, anything that I like or dislike, I, I write it down. Um, I thought the ending was abrupt, but I, I like the ending. Um, let me see. Couple, a couple of dislikes. Not yet. We're not at dislikes. Yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, um, yeah, they had they had a couple funny quips in there. I like all that. Um, yeah. The description of how the town was booming was interesting because it, I remember when when they very first got there, it was just like a couple of tents and a couple of buildings. And then the description got more and more and more. And now there's like 72 saloons or something like that in town. And, and wooden hotels. hotels. There were like restaurants. Yeah, yeah, and there's one of them even had an elevator. <laughs> one of two on that side of a certain river. I forget which one. So. Yeah, yeah, like west the whole, of the Mississippi. yeah, west of the Mississippi. I like that scene where they, uh, where he gets everybody involved in building the bakery. Yeah, hey, lady's gonna start making donuts. I'm gonna help yeah. her. Hey, we how can he help. Yeah. Can help. Yeah. yeah, how he kind of manipulated all the guys. Right? Yeah, that was so funny. Oh my! It was probably it was probably true because you're yeah. you're out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm I'm pretty sure like if if some lady was was driving by in her truck in, 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 with a tamale cart and I didn't have anything good for a couple of days, I'd be buying tamales off this lady. Right. <laughs> Especially if it's. I mean, if you're Couple eating, like, years. yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you're eating what food you brought in, you're probably tired of it and you want something new. And, oh, wow, there's fresh baked cookies and pies and mm-hmm. fresh coffee at this bakery. Hell, yeah, yeah I'm going to go. Anything's better than corn, pone, and biscuits. Okay. 
yeah, but old biscuits. And just the fact that he was like, "Look, they're gonna need a bakery. You know, keep your nose." Yeah, you might as well make the money out of it. Yeah, you become very wealthy. Yeah, and there's also um, a couple other things in there, like um, what was the what was the term for the the little the little um, creatures that. Was, uh, well, no, not it wasn't Kabolds. It was um, knockers. Tommy, yeah, Tommy, Tommy knockers. knockers. Tommy knockers. Yeah, I didn't know what a Tommy knocker was. I mean, I remember, I remember there being a movie called The Tommy Knockers. I think it was a Stephen King book, but I didn't really know what a Tommy knocker was until they described it. In there. And then I looked it up on the internet. Oh, it's like a little fairy monster that like yeah. like hides in the in the in the mines. And I'm like, okay, that's a Tommy knocker. Is. And then the cousin Jack is means. Uh, He's from Cornwall, England, and knows how to mine hard rock. Oh, because my cousin Jack knows how to do that. My cousin yeah. Jack knows how to do that. <laughs> Trying to hire on all their their cousins. family, yeah, yeah, cousins and family, other family members, just trying to get them a job. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, other than that, I really I, I enjoyed the book. There's some there's some uh, some negative things about it, but we can get to it. But I'm pretty sure that uh, every book like this will always have some kind of negative thing about it. Yeah. So go ahead, Wayne. Yeah. Uh, one of the parts that I loved, and, and David touched on it, was uh, building the bakery. And, you know, they said, these guys, if, you, if you're making donuts and pies, you're going to get rich. And she did. Yeah. It, it was... You know, it was perfectly understandable, but it was also very humorous how how much these these guys did, you know, lo- loved donuts and pies. And you know, you had the regular crowd. Hey, she 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 was the local Starbucks. Yeah. You know, everybody came in for their their cup of coffee and and a donut or, or maybe breakfast. You know, it was and, and it but everybody came in. They got whatever they're going to get, and they sat around and talked. Exactly. And and it was, you know, it was the clearinghouse. If you if if you wanted to know what was going on in town, your odds were better at Melissa's than it, hanging out at the saloons. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, because of Melissa's is where the sober people were talking. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I I that that was a part I enjoyed. The other thing I I like is like Jim Ledbetter, you know, which Trevelyan uh, Jim's are Jim's already out there working, but he you know. But he's he's in a tight spot, and Trevelyan helps helps him out and gets gets him going, you know, on on the mule trains. And then, you know, they're uh, they're upgrading, and and then all of a sudden, you know, a section part three or part four, you're jumping over to Greta and her crew in in San Francisco, and then they're Headed up to Virginia City via uh, stagecoach, 
And who's their driver? Ledbetter. He's upgraded to stagecoaches, you know, and up upgrades to wagons. And, you know, he's it, – it, it was well thought through, you know, and following the time period of how he started, you know, just, you know, with the mule trains and, and worked – all the way up with, you know, the multi-team wagons, heavy-duty things and goods. And, and you know, part of the time, you know, he was transporting people and, you know, just – and like David said, watching watching the city grow from being primarily a tent camp to, you know, this full-blown Victorian houses built by the well-to-do, you know, populace and, and uh, all the saloons and the few hotels tells and stuff and and it just there were characters sometimes people that only showed up for a page or two mm-hmm. you know and there were some that were a little more regular than that but you know going into you know Trevelyan or another character would go into this place or that place and see this person or that person and and it, it felt real yeah. You know, I was like, oh, this is a Louis L'Amour book. It's a Western. And, and I kind of, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. But, you know, it was a story about the Comstock load, about Virginia City, starting from a little mining town to a big bustling metropolis. And, and uh, you know, he had his, his facts right. And it it felt like something that was really happening. And, you know, where, where a lot of, a lot of Westerns, I haven't read a lot of Westerns. My dad enjoyed watching Westerns, but a lot of those are almost like a fantasy set in the old West, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a good story. It was a fun story. It had lots of action, but it didn't really feel real. And this felt real. Yeah. Yeah. It felt it felt like you were following the lives of people that were actually doing this stuff, and and I enjoyed that about the book. I would love to see a mini series made of this. Oh yeah, the whole time I thought the same thing. Yeah, there's enough content for it, definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And then at the end, you could see what the real Virginia City looks like now. It's still there. It's it's still a city in uh, Nevada. It's probably. Facing uh, my knowledge off Google Maps, it's probably a good 50, 60 miles out of Carson City. Mm-hmm. And it's still there. I think the population of the place now is like 1,000 people, but they get over 2 million visitors a year. Yeah, I saw like a memorial and all the – like a historical museum and stuff just looking oh, yeah, there's, it's a It's your, your average ghost town tourist trap thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that Louis L'Amour probably made it even more popular after he wrote about it. Because yeah. he was he was there in, in 1947, because the back of my book shows him there. And I guess, I think it might be the post office. Yeah, the post office in Virginia City, Nevada in 1947. Cool. And it probably made it even more popular after he wrote the book back in the 80s. Well, I, mean, I think so. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, uh, Wayne, I, I did that. I, I agree. The ending was abrupt, but it was a it good was, ending. Yeah. It, you, you knew what was going to happen at that point, you know, 
he he got he you know exterminated the last guy and walked into Melissa's and you knew you know how the conversation was going to go and he considered himself rich now so he could you know ask Greta to marry him and mm-hmm. you know all all of that was you you could see that was what was going to happen even if you didn't see it happen you know, right. So. So it was a, it was a satisfactory ending. I didn't feel gypped by the abruptness of it. So, Lewis, um, I enjoyed this book a lot more than I thought I would. It's like you, Wayne. I'm not really the hugest fan of westerns. They're they're fine. They're great. I'm just it, you know it's not my favorite genre. Um, so given that it's one of the few true westerns I've ever just read in general, um, I really liked it. I liked the overall character development. Um, I liked how Val wasn't the only real main character. Like he's the one we spend the most time with. Um, But, you know, we got to see Greta for a bit. We got to see Melissa every time he went into the bakery to talk to her. Right. Uh, And then also in a way, the town was kind of its own main character too, you know? Yeah. Um, I liked that there was so much detail put into watching this town grow from a boom town of tents and little wooden structures to like an actual city, you know? Um, I thought that was really cool to see because I, I, I don't really know much about how a mining town becomes a city at all. So it was nice to see that here. And I did like the little, the little funny moments here and there. One of my favorite ones, it's one of the earlier wagon trains at one point, a wagon that's like overloaded, the mules are about to go, it, it drops a barrel of whiskey behind it and it yeah. swarms it. And then not the marshal, but like the warden or something goes by on his horse to try to get everyone to stop doing that. Um, but then they offer him like a cup of whiskey and he goes, eh, all right, I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> too far gone to salvage anyway, might as well. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, you know what? It's, it's whatever. <laughs> I thought that was uh, that was great. Um, I liked all the descriptions of the mining operations and equipment. I don't really know much about mining either, but it was it, it was enough. You felt like you learned stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was enough of a description that I I kind of felt like you, Dave, that I kind of maybe I know a little bit about mining now. <laughs> yeah. yeah thing, uh, it wasn't of, too hard to follow. No, yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't realize is in the beginning. They didn't use dynamite. They used black powder because dynamite hadn't been invented yet. Mm. And uh, I, when I first read this, I didn't realize that when I was in high school. So, of course, the first thing I had to do was go out and buy some black powder and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and try it out. <laughs> blow some holes up. In the yard. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still with us today. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he tells me these stories about when he was younger, and I'm like, I'm just, thank God he made it to being an adult so he can get married. I'm like, it's a miracle you're here, honey. Well, the black powder, if you if you know how to use it correctly, really isn't that dangerous. Um, dynamite was yeah, the one that was, no, it, it's really simple to actually use. The one that was actually dangerous was the dynamite because of the nitroglycerin. Because nitroglycerin is extremely unstable. Especially. Yeah. yeah, especially oil and when it gets hot or cold. Yeah. Because it's so, it's so it's really finicky. You get it too hot, you get it too cold, and you go boom. <laughs> a lot of chi- a lot of Chinamen when they were building the the railroad, 
they, they were they got killed by just accidental nitro nitroglycerin explosions. And even the boxes that the dynamite would be carried in, the nitroglycerin would seep into the wood, and you could take a piece of wood and throw it, and when it hit the ground, it would blow up. Oh, damn. Okay. Yep. Scary stuff. So, yeah, the, the mining descriptions I thought were not only helpful, but just a good read. Um, I liked Jim Ledbetter as a character, and I, and oh, yeah. I um, what's it, uh, Christian Tapley as well. The, um, yeah. Okay, the, Tapley was a good one, yeah. Yeah. I, I liked when um, when Val and Christian were going to rescue uh, Jim when he yeah. didn't come back in the town and Val just had a hunch like maybe something happened and it turned out to be right. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I liked when they're rescuing him and and he goes, "Did you break a leg?" He's like, "No, I was shot." Damn it! <laughs> right. He was like he was more like offended that he got shot than actually like mad that he was in danger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that was a, a funny little moment to describe his character. Um, yeah, overall, I liked this book. I did have a couple problems here and there, but not very many. So we can talk about that when we when we get there. Baleen? Well, I know it's going to sound like I'm just repeating some other people at this point, but um, kind of like, you know, like what Lewis was just saying, I'm not the biggest I was kind of worried because I'm not the biggest Western fan either. Again, like, you know, I mean, not nothing against it. It's just I'm, I generally get kind of bored when someone's watching a Western. It's not my particular thing. Um, the closest I ever came to really liking anything Western-wise was I kind of got into, um, what's that show? Not Bonanza, uh, Gunsmoke. I got a little bit into that show, but even then, it's not one that I would like. Oh, I gotta search it out and binge watch it or anything. Right. Um, so I was a little worried, but then the moment I started reading, I was like, "Oh, this is a good book." You know, I'm not. <laughs> I really got into it a lot more than I thought I would, and um, I think my favorite I like characters. Yeah. I'll see. My I think my favorite characters uh, were Melissa and Greta because. Well, Melissa, I just liked that she kind of went from this person who, like, basically needed help figuring things out, you know. I like I liked that one uh, bit where <laughs> um, uh, Trevelyan was like, beware of Alfie's in the world. Yes. And, and then, then that one guy, he goes, yeah, that one guy, yeah I was about to say that. Yeah. There's that one bit where he calls that one guy, Alfie goes, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone else. <laughs> I loved that part. <laughs> and, she kind of glares at him, you know. Yeah, yeah, but he was right. Uh, I just love, and I love that he kind of looks after her, kind of like she were his sister, you know. Yeah. Like, like he he protects her and makes sure to remind. Like he doesn't mince words either. Like he oh, he tells how it is. He tells it how it is. he literally called the guy Alfie because he's like, hey, watch out for this guy. He's gonna be trying to take over your business and everything. Yeah. Make your money and everything. So I liked that. And I liked just everything talking about with Greta and her troop and Theater! <laughs> what? Theater! Oh. <laughs> All the old theater! I loved it! Yeah. I liked the fact that you know it wasn't. She wasn't just like a player with a troop either. She she owned she the owned troop. the troop. She made sure everyone was taken care of. 
and the fact that she carried around the gun with her just to be safe. Because she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna. And also, I loved Teal. He was my fa- my other favorite character. I yeah. love. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, please don't let him be the kind of guy that like will betray her. You know, black. Right? And I was like, please don't let him be that guy. But yeah, I was, I was thinking like, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, watch. It's gonna be one of those things where someone's gonna like Hesketh is gonna offer him more money or yeah, something. That's... Something's gonna happen, and he's gonna betray her. But fortunately, I was very glad he wasn't <laughs> the betrayer yep. kind of guy. Um, so what yeah. was his drink of choice at the end? It was uh, it was something like a mixture. Kill devil. Kill devil. Kill devil. Kill devil. Yeah. yeah. One guy was like, I know how to make it. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't sure he was going to make it out of there alive, so he might as well have that drink he always wanted to try. I love well, how the, just that little moment of, well, there's some debate about how much ginger to use. Right. <laughs> In the middle of this, like, very middle, intense, yeah. pre fight. And we're talking about ginger. So, like, yep. and he goes, no, no, just a pinch, <laughs> you know, whatever it was. So, yep. but, yeah, it was. You know stuff like that, and I know, right? It should be fairly easy to make. I love that it was a fairly easy read. Like I didn't feel like I had to force myself to read any part of it. Right. You know, the we've had books in the past where I've literally had to push myself to make it through the story. Um, I I forget which book. But like Tarzan. (laughs) Tarzan wasn't as bad as uh, there was one book, and I can't remember which one it was. Recording the screw tape diaries or whatever that was. I think actually I don't remember which one it was, to be honest. I had to force myself to read that. But I, I do remember there was one book because you know, I, I kind of joke around like um here and there about how I'm the only one who's read every book all the way through. And I I was Remember, there's this one book where I seriously thought I wasn't going to make it through it because I finished it like half an hour before we had to meet. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, I remember it was just so such a slog to get through it because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the like most excruciating book ever. This is it. This is the one that's going to break me. <laughs> yeah, this is going to break me. I can't do this. <laughs> but fortunately, it was not that way with this book. I was able to just kind of breeze through it. There was um, the last two Saturdays during my overnight shift, I was able to read through like 15 chapters each night. And it was pretty It was pretty easy to do. So I think that was one of my favorite. I think that's one thing that kind of made me like it so much was the fact that it, it wasn't anything like a big thinker. It wasn't a head scratcher. It wasn't trying to be a pompous read either you know like you know there are some books that you would have liked him if the author wasn't trying to show off in the reads yeah it's like yeah it wasn't that way at all and i could definitely see why there are a lot of louis l'amour fans because like i said a lot of my clients i i've seen i had one guy he had like three or four of his books on his nightstand and I don't remember which ones they were because I didn't really look at them, but I remember thinking, wow, he's quite the popular writer. So, yes. so th- those are my favorite things. Cool. All right. Um, my favorite scene, I'm surprised we haven't really talked about it yet, was um, uh, when 
Trevelyan and Greta are trapped in the mine. Um, and he's like, all right, let's just go to work and just starts digging his way out, mm-hmm. you know, hour after hour with the candle burning down. Good thing they brought extra. Yeah. And then he gets to the, that, that like pit of no despair where there's like, there's another, another wall, another wall. And so he gets out, and then he's just like, all right, let's go to work, and starts chipping away at the the wall. And the the way they describe it with the lack of breath and, you know, him near the end, like, it, he would have to take a, a hit and then, like, a, a rest and then a hit and then a rest. And even Greta with the blisters and the blood on her hands. Yeah. Nobody complaining, just you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, we, um, it was almost felt like a scene from It's a Wonderful Life. We're like, Val's in the mine. Let's go. The whole scene. Right. Like, let's go. Let's go. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone who like Val, who were, were told is this loner. But, but it helps it, everybody. That helped anyway. He's just generally yeah. a nice guy. Everyone's like, well, he was there for me. So I'm gonna be there for has a testimonial. Yes. Yeah. About you know it was it was this, you know for a revenge story. And the consensus of the character to not be broken. Like, yeah. genuinely be a nice guy was was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the revenge stories we're used to hearing are like the Punisher or, the Hunter or, right. you know these guys that they've said. They've lost their humanity mm-hmm. for the revenge. And not only that, a lot of stories that you think of with regards to cowboys are sort of this like stoic, silent, sort of like, you know, plains rider type of guy. But, but Trevelyan was very like introspective at times. He was like questioning his own motivations, you know, it was like, why am I here? Like, why did I come here? You know, like at first he's driven by revenge and that's a very singular goal. It's a very, it's a very old-timey Western sort of ideal, but eventually he starts to wonder, like, is that the best thing for me? And and mm-hmm. it, that was surprisingly human for what I imagine most cowboy stories to be like, you know? That was another reason why I think about why, why I chose this book, because it's a Western, but without cow poachers and and stuff you I mean, know you have a few bad guys you you got you, you have the you, you, your, your, your highway agents road agents so to speak like in the old westerns and stuff but it's not cowboys and indians kind of western. we all have guns in here are you gonna come in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got at least six I guns so you're three what do you think you might get us, but we'll get all of you. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I didn't bring up the mine was because that was one of my one of my things I didn't like. Oh, okay. All right, then we'll revisit the scene later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um I was surprised at uh that that scene because they kept talking about the muck that oozes out. I'm surprised they didn't like do the whole Batman villain trap thing with them. The ooze, you know, yeah, getting, getting deeper as they go. Yeah, because they they set it. He set it up for that, but then just now this is just a fact of mining. This stuff just comes out of nowhere. 
Yeah. I don't think it comes out as fast as what you guys are thinking. I mean, it probably, it probably takes several days for some of this stuff to come out because all it is is the earth is, is shifting and pushing out the, the old mine mud from the hot springs is what yeah. that is. Because I, I, know, I know what that meant. And some mines are actually fairly large and regular miners don't have time to, to scoop that up. So they have people to hire specifically to be scooping that out. That's their job. Yeah. Um, I think the main reason why I thought it probably came out quicker was because at one point in the book they say that I think I think it's Trevelyan who says it, but I don't remember for sure. He says like, "Oh yeah, you generally have to have two, like a couple of guys working around the clock to make sure it doesn't." Yeah, like come he, in. He, he, they set it up that you can drown in this stuff. So I, that's yeah. why I assumed it came out quicker yeah. than what in it. In some was. situations, it, it may do, it may come out quicker. That's fine. So, um, the other thing I want to hit on real quick is there's a character in the book that we haven't talked about, um, Will Watts, or um, Bill Watts. Right. Um, I remember who he was. What uh, about him? There is a pro wrestler uh, promoter named Will, uh, Will named Bill Watts. And so the whole time I just kept seeing this. Anytime it came up, I just kept in my mind seeing this this the 1970s Bill Watts from pro wrestling. Well, maybe, maybe that's what he was thinking as well because he did mention uh, a couple of professional boxers in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you did, you read the interview on the like the the interview from the New York Times with Louis Lamore. No, I read a couple of the questions that were reasonably short. Just to, it was basically just a, a Q and A kind of. Yeah, it was, it was a I just read a couple of them. One of the things to get into is Louis Lamore was a professional fighter. Yes, he was. It's like, oh my! This guy had like one of the strangest, weirdest lives. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he was a minor. A fighter. He was. He was a rancher. He worked with cattle, I guess. Right. <laughs> a sailor. He was a sailor. Like, this guy lived, you know? Yeah. Um, and then one of the things that I found interesting, his first, like, paid writing gig was a gangster story in an old-timey pulp magazine. Hmm. Like, I want to track down his, like, I want to track down that story. <laughs> I want to see what Louis L'Amour does outside of Westerns. <laughs> well, the the book that well, I put it in... It start with Westerns. Well, the, the Louis L'Amour book that I put in, the TARDIS, is in a Western. Oh, really? oh there's another Louis L'Amour in the, the book? In yeah. The huh. Totally totally unintentional. It was just the way it came out. Okay. Yeah, if, if you, if you read, read the interview, his family was tied up in the history of the West. Yeah. And the the West was something very near and dear to him and personal. So when he first started writing, it wasn't something he wrote about. He had been in the war. He had traveled in the Far East. He wrote about gangsters. He wrote about the Far East. He wrote about all these other things. Mm -hmm. And he didn't write about the West. And... He had been he had been writing for a number of years before he actually wrote his first western. 
And then one of the editors said, hey, this is pretty good. You should write some more Westerns. And so... He's known as one of the best Western writers. He started doing that. And now you mentioned his name and everybody thinks, oh, Western. But it wasn't until a little later in his career that he actually started writing the Westerns. He dabbled in other stuff early on. There was a, a clip in the interview where one of his first editors said, no one will buy a Western written by a guy named Louis L'Amour. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Let's swap over to the negatives. Uh, Justin? Problems, qualms? I don't know. Negatives? He picked this book. I'm kind of biased. (laughs) There was nothing that you disliked about the book. Not that I can bring to mind. Of course, if some when people bring stuff up, I'll probably say, "Oh yeah, I can see that." But <laughs> um, besides the ending being a little abrupt, I didn't have much problem with most of the book that I can bring to mind at the moment. So, it's okay. yeah, I suck. <laughs> no, That's why you need to write down the, little the, notes. The ending being abrupt, so. I would have been doing chores. I, I have it on my Kindle, but in, with my Kindle download, I also got the Audible it came with. So I had it playing, you know, and I'd been doing chores and stuff. And I I was like, oh, gosh, there's like an hour and a half left in the book or a little over an hour left in the book. Okay, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I was in the last chapter. That extra stuff was <laughs> all the extra stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, just a few pages from the end of the book and didn't realize it because I looked at the, the time left in the book and how many pages left in the book and not realizing that's all the extra stuff at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it was a little abrupt. Um, at one point, I was like, oh, my gosh, we don't need this person's backstory. Like, we would still be a good book without this long backstory on the villain. I don't care. I don't want to feel for him in any way. He's <laughs> awful. You know, like, I don't need his dang backstory now. He was David's favorite character. I liked So his you backstory. appreciated his backstory. But I literally, like, paw- like turned at Justin. I'm like, I don't need this guy's backstory. This is really long backstory for a character that's just going to get his in the end. <laughs> like, I don't need his backstory. Stop humanizing the villain. I don't care. <laughs> It's just showing other bad things it did. I don't need to know. I just need him to be punished at the end. This is- oh, God. <laughs> oh, he totally deserved it. Um, he's a bad guy. Um, and he never, he was such a narcissist, even at the end. Like, no, not me. Like, he never would have, he didn't make a will. Like, he didn't even, you know, mm-hmm. see anything coming. I was, I was. Never thought I was, he'd die. Huh? Never thought he'd die. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm going to succeed. I'm I got a plan. I'm going to live forever. Nothing's going to stop me. Okay. Well, thank goodness for Jacob Peel. Um, <laughs> oh, I also liked Will, Will Crockett. I kind of oh. felt bad because I don't think, I don't even know if he ever got a chance, if Trevelyan ever even got a chance to tell him that he got that little section of the Solomon in their name. You know, I don't, I don't nope. think, you know, I kind of felt bad. I mean, I'm glad he got to sign over his stuff to... Rita, but I kind of felt bad that, you know, he didn't get to see, you know, he really got, he really got treated bad. Like, you know, I mean, you know, Trevelyan, you know, his, yeah, his his family got killed and her family got killed and they got stolen from and all that. And that was horrible. 
Uh, don't get me wrong. It was terrible, especially for the kids to have to, you know, witness this, you know, children, you know, it's a terrible thing, trauma forever. But, um, but uh, just the way he undermined, well, you know, I kind of felt bad that he didn't, he ended up dying and he didn't get a better ending to things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I like happy endings, David. I like happy endings. <laughs> No, I'm Everything is not always player. happy. That's fine. I like happy endings in my fiction. Thank you. What uh, was that, Brandon? Real quick, I misspoke. The the wrestler that I was talking about, his name was Will Crockett. Oh, okay. That oh, guy. That okay. I misspoke earlier. Yeah, there was a... Yeah. You that guy. That, that I know who he is. I felt bad uh, for him. I liked his character. Yeah, there was a pro wrestler uh, slash promoter uh, yeah. called Crockett. He had his own company called Crockett Promotions. Oh. I um, I didn't like. I was angry with Melissa because I really liked her and she was doing really well. And she still went with Alfie, yeah. and everything bad happened that Trevelyan said was going to happen. And you're like, did you not learn a dang thing, woman? I mean, she did eventually because she got wronged by him. Finally learned and Again. ended up with the right guy. But I was like, are you kidding me right now? That was my main problem. <clears throat> oh, I was so mad at her. And the thing is, is that I know women like that, so I can't say he didn't write it well. I just was mad at her because dang it, woman. <laughs> I made him a sucker. Gullible. Uh, I'm awful women. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Go ahead, David. What didn't you like? Pull out your long list of notes. <laughs> it's not that long. It's just <laughs> well, uh, discrepancies, really. Um, only thing I didn't really like, Will Crockett in there. He was supposed to be a knowledgeable mining man, but he got suckered out of his mind. He wasn't a mining man. He was a businessman. But man. still, he was a businessman. And yeah. businessmen know you're not supposed to get rid of your shares to make it where you're not in control anymore. Yeah. He thought he was. He thought he and his partner. No, he knew he wasn't. He knew he wasn't. See, he got suckered out of it. I didn't really see him as a businessman so much as but like. He, Someone who financially backs. wasn't expecting project. Albert Heskes to hunt down everybody that had shares. I know, but it doesn't really matter yeah. because if you have a controlling share, your business won't get suckered out of you. Yeah, it doesn't really matter if you have fifty-one percent. It doesn't really matter. You have the controlling share; no one could take it from you. Mm-hmm. And his was under fifty percent, so he got suckered out of his own business. Yeah. And that's what I didn't really like about that because I got the impression that the guy was a really good businessman with a good head on his shoulders. He was just too trusting in who yeah. he picked as his partner. And that's why I liked Albert Heskett. The dude was extremely clever and smart, and he did his homework, and he legally, technically, was in the right. Oh, yeah. He played the he law. He was technically in the right, even though he was a bad guy. He did everything by the letter of the law, except the stealing and the killing. And well, that's okay. How do you know that none of that is still happens? It doesn't make it okay. <laughs> Possession is nine tenths of the law. I think that's what makes him a good villain, though, is the fact that technically a lot of it. It sounds like you're talking in a pillow, Maylene. Just... Well, you're in my way. I'm in my way. Okay. <laughs> I said, uh, technically, that's what makes him a good villain, because he deals in, you know, technicalities and working inside. Good villains are the ones that can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not saying he wasn't a good villain. That's why I didn't like him. He was a good <laughs> villain. 
Okay, and here's another one. The stagecoach holdup. I thought that was Blave, really. I'm sorry, but any any, any holdup back then, the first thing they would have done was shot the stagecoach driver. They would have shot him dead. That happens in every movie. Stagecoach driver guy is the first one that gets killed, and they're certainly not going to be talking or caring about what a woman inside the wagon says. You have a gun in there? Bullshit. They're going to shoot up that wagon, and then whoever is left over, they're just going to rob him anyway and then kill him and dump him on the side of the road, take the loot, and leave. That's what happens in every stagecoach holdup. Well, they're... They're trying to make it PG in here. They weren't trying to make it a rated R book. (coughs) And then here's one that, that really got me. Gritta and Trevelyan... Yeah, they were in the mine, but I didn't like it how everyone assumed, like a couple people assumed that, oh, they were stuck in the mine, and it was only a day. They were only in the mine for a day. Yeah. yeah well, and, oh, he must be stuck in the mine. Bullshit. No, Manfred had very good reasoning for it. <laughs> no, yeah. because they, I mean, I, like, I liked how everyone was saying, oh, he's fallen in love with Gritta, and they're off doing their own little thing. For all they know, they could have been hiding somewhere where no one would have found them to have their little lover way not be stuck in the mine. But it was someone who knew them really, really well and said their horses are here. This is here. This is here. Yeah, but and you we know need, the bad guy. You don't need your horse to go wandering around town to go have sex in a back room. They wouldn't. They knew them well enough to know that that wasn't the way he was going to go about it. Though. But they don't know that because they've never seen Trevelyan in love before. I thought it was super Blave. Blave? Blave. You know, like from, from The Princess Bride to yeah. Blave. Blave. <laughs> Blave. Which, as we all know, means to Blave. Yeah. I mean... Um, you mean blasé? Is that what you're going for? Blasé. That's a different word. <laughs> um, also, also, I mean, I just didn't like that whole scene about how everyone was digging him out. It was good for like a, a PG Western, but a realistic Western, no, they would have never would have known and they would have died in the mine. And that's how, in my opinion, they should have got it. Because I remember... When Trevelyan was mentioning that he wanted to dig out another exit to the mine, they were talking his about mine, that. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't his mine but they were in. I know, but that's what I was thinking that they were going to do in that mine. That's what I thought they were going to do, and they were doing the right thing by by cutting it. And when they got through. Um, the air came in and they passed out, okay, from exhaustion, whatever. But I would have seen them, I envisioned them recovering in the hole. And then they could have dug themselves out because they had air. They didn't have to worry about it now. And then I envisioned it where they would go into town and Hesketh had control because he thought everyone, Gritta and, and Trevelyan were dead, and then they would surprise them. That's how I envisioned it. So I didn't really, I didn't really like the part about them getting, getting saved in the mine. I just thought that was like, eh, no. I thought it was. I thought 
the, the, the trapping in the mind was, was too cliche. Cliche is not the, the term I would use to describe this book. I think everything that, that he does is, is pretty nuanced, actually. I know, but like, it's like you watch TV and there's always a, a, a danger of somebody doing their job and then that episode you happen to be watching, that, that danger happens. Yeah. That's how I saw it. I go, oh, wow, it, it, Greta is talking about, oh, I want to go in the mine even though she never really had an interest in it. And she's like, oh, we'll just be down there a couple of minutes. And I go, oh, wow, they're going to get trapped in the mine. And guess what happened? That was one of my problems was that, you know, he does the whole thing of like, oh, you know, you never go down without telling someone else where you go. And then he does it. <laughs> yeah. And here he is. He's this, he's has super instincts and he's careful and he let that happen. I'm like, oh man, that's, that's horrible. And that's what love things. will do to you. I know. I know. That's why I'm like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and also, I didn't like how Teal killed Hesketh. Oh, I did. <laughs> Just because Hesketh is your favorite character? <laughs> yeah, because... What, you thought Val should have done it? No, I think... I thought Hesketh should have gotten away. Because there's no proof on him. There was no proof. I told them not to go into the mine. I don't know what they did. Exactly. There was no proof. And they, in my opinion, they, they murdered Hesketh, even though, yeah, he was a bad guy and he deserved it. But there was no proof. And in my opinion, Teal murdered him. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Exactly. I think it would have been better if... I understand this was the end of the book and he wanted to, wanted to end it because it was already pushing 400 pages. Yeah, he's probably like, you know, I've never written anything this long before. Let's just finish it. <laughs> yeah, but I think it would have been a lot better if Hesketh remained in, in uh, his partial uh, partnership of the, of the thing and he's just an ugly, bitter man who... Who, who tries to get the upper hand, but always fails, and then he... No, he would have just turned around and killed him. Yeah, or something. That's what he would have mm-hmm. done. He would have turned into Snidey the Flash. And then um, I, I envisioned him instead having, like, a heart attack. <laughs> well, I mean, a heart attack or a stroke because of, of him. It was basically, I, I look at his divine intervention by saying, okay, God has had enough of this crap. Why don't you just take you out of the picture now? We're tired of your crap, and then he has a heart attack and dies. I didn't. I didn't picture him being murdered. I'm and, still okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> it would have made the ending a lot more bittersweet to have a Deus Ex Machina right there. <laughs> yeah, I think it would have been a lot better than because I. I just thought it was kind of like, wow, that's that's all that happened to him. He just got shot by Teal, and then only one person went to his funeral. It just seemed kind of hurried, and I was kind of disappointed with it. Mm-hmm. Even though I liked him, I, I, I thought he needed to have the justice that was coming to him, and I just don't think being murdered in his room was it. I thought a, a, pathetic, a pathetic death, like him having a heart attack, something that he could not control, should have been his death. That's fair. All right, Wayne. Um, 
the one the one scene that I didn't enjoy in the book was where they got trapped in the mine. I didn't have a problem with their rescue. But the only reason I I didn't care for the scene is because I'm somewhat claustrophobic. And it was very well written. And and that was reading. (laughs) That was one part of the book where I had a hard time pushing through. And uh I I was I was glad for that uh, switch of perspective at the end of the chapter and, you know, getting everybody, oh, let's go to the mine and try to rescue them. And they got there and her hand is sticking out of the wall. It's like, okay, I don't have to endure any more of this part of, you know, trapped and them, them working their way out. I know from experience crawling around in some of those old mines uh, in Arizona that uh, it gets really, really tight. You know, it's, uh, no, thank you. there was, I, I, I get uh, shivers about it now, but there was one, to get back into this one back room, you had to squeeze through an area you would just to manage to fit through, you'd have to exhale all the way as much as you could to squeeze through 14 inches of rock. Jeez. And if you got stuck in that 14 inches, you couldn't inhale oh, because oh. it's pressing against your chest. Come out. Come out. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't do that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> that's, that's a big nope. Yeah. yeah. Right there. I was a little crazy back then. Uh, yeah. Um, you had the invincibility of youth. That's what it was. Well, I was gullible. I had this scrawny best friend that was like a beanpole, could squeeze through anything. And I was like, oh, just, you can make it. You can make it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can make it barely. I'm going to die. But that that was... That was my main gripe with it, uh, just because it it made me uncomfortable, and I, I really had to push through reading that yeah. that chapter. <laughs> but uh, uh, other other than that, I I enjoy I enjoyed the book. Lewis, well, there wasn't really a whole lot that I didn't like about the book, honestly. Um, but one thing I didn't like. Uh, was the the just tiny tiny amount of female characters in the book like like we got to see Melissa we got to see Greta in the beginning and then like in the second half right um, we got to see for a little bit but for the most part and, and maybe this is like a historical thing and I'm not enough of a western historian to know about it but I just didn't really find it believable yeah. that like in this day and age, men outnumbered women four to one. Oh, really? Yeah. In the West. Out in the yeah. West. In the boom camps and stuff like that. Like, I know they were attracted to the boom camps because, you know, it, it required physical labor. And for the most part, that was a male-driven industry. Like, I get that. But, like... Yeah. like well, women were few and far between. Did they not have, like, wives and kids and daughters and stuff? 
back east. A lot Most of, of them were back, back east, east and then send money back. Oh, we're gonna go out there and make our fortune, and then we'll bring the family out. Yeah. Well, you know what? Christian talks about that for a little bit. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. But like, I don't know. I just I maybe I'm like historically incorrect, but I just found it weird that like everybody in this mining town was a guy. <laughs> right. Well, they there was kind of a casual mention of it in somebody's conversation that ladies over there. Just, the you know of the ladies of ill repute but there there were brothels it's um, just none of our main characters went to one of those you know i could see that that makes sense yeah, okay. cause during the scene where they're all going to go save Duralian and rita they talk about the women and the fleet, like you know who work at like the cat house and everything okay okay yeah one of the 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 madams talks about how she likes Trevelyan because she helped out with something once. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, okay. If you want to watch a good show and it's not like anything that has in common with this book, you should watch the the show on Netflix called Hell on Wheels. That's what it was called. I was trying to think of it. Yeah, I've seen the first two seasons. Yeah, watch Hell on Wheels and that, that deals with them building a railroad. And oh, okay. de- that it, that's what it's called, Hell on Wheels, and um, you'll definitely see a typical camp back then. Right, it's and the same I, thing where it off with the 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 tents, and yep. then slowly building up to actual structures. The show is the show lasted about five seasons because it's play it after Walking Dead or something like that for a little bit? Um, it's on AMC with The Walking Dead. I don't recall what yeah. what time it, okay. it was on because I just I um, got rid of cable a long time ago and then when I got my Netflix account I saw it on there and I just binge watched it. Okay, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, that I really enjoyed that show. It had cowboys and Indians and there's blacks, Orientals, all the all the hookers, and all all sorts of gamblers and sh- and, and crooked sheriffs, and all. I mean, it was it was a really good show. And it ended. Town with blackjack and hookers. Yep. And eventually, they they met in the middle in in Ogden, Utah, where where the the two railroads uh, met, and they they put in the gold spike. To, oh, okay. To, 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 commem- to commemorate the the whole thing. Okay, and it was actually a real. It was actually a really good show. Nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was that was my main chief complaint. I didn't I didn't necessarily like all that much how like how crazy capable Trevelyan was of like most anything. <laughs> like he could he could hunt, he could fight, he could mine, he could like never get killed <laughs> ever. <laughs> like like he was kind of like a Superman and. Read the interview with Louis L'Amour because those are all things Louis L'Amour was good at. Oh, so, oh, so it was him. It was autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like because Louis in the interview talked about oh, I had thirty professional fights, and, and it was like, oh, okay, this is just how life is for you. Okay, well, okay, I got you. As long as it's all based in fact, I guess uh, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I had, I had. Th- you know, thirty boxing matches, and and I won twenty six out of the thirty. Oh my god! <laughs> Professional was the Superman is what it is. 
I guess he just you know, and, and he spent money. time as a miner, and he yeah. he did he he and his family would go out in the woods and on hunting excursions and you know those types of things. You go camping and take your rifles and you know go after track elk or whatever. And he spent you know, a lot of he, time in Arizona. He yeah. he grew up with doing a, a lot of that stuff that he wrote about. Okay, well. I guess he wrote from a place of knowledge then. That's nice. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much it. I didn't really have a whole lot of real complaints yeah. about the book, really. Next. So, um, I'll say, I think my main complaint, and again, it, it's more of a kind of a weird one because, you know, it's one of those, he wrote the character so well, so it's like, ah, it's more character. Uh, as I agree with Bonnie, I hate that Melissa like you know, builds up her business and was doing amazing, and then she becomes a moron and runs away with Alfie. It's like okay, I mean I'm glad that she did come back, but I'm like okay, you were an idiot, you know. <laughs> like I expected not to hear again. I expected her to be gone, and you find out something really horrible happened to her, you know. I mean it did happen to her, but I I didn't expect her to come back, you know, from it. That was interesting how they got rid of Alfie. I mean, she kicked him out, and then her stepdad went and shot him. Oh, he shot the guy, uh, not the guy he was supposed to shoot, but we're not going to complain too much about it. And then um, I, I didn't have too many complaints. Uh, very similar to what Wayne was saying, is I started to feel claustrophobic during the caveman scene. That was like, oh, okay. But I mean, Probably not as bad as Wayne was feeling about it, but it, it got it came close at one point. And then I don't know. I, I I think my only other kind of complaint really is because our copy of the book is almost 600 pages long, and for as long as the book was. I felt like there were one or two things that like were rushed or were wrapped up too quickly. Like, you know, talk, you talk about the end being just, oh, that's it, you know? Like there were one or two things that I thought were conveniently taken care of quicker than they probably, you know, I probably would have expected to. Like with Alfie just, you know, getting kicked out and bam, he's dead, you know? Yeah. Like, or so, how about oh. Albert Hesketh getting killed and it was like, like, yeah, like two pages. Half a page or whatever. Yeah. Because two pages is all he deserved, the villain. <laughs> what the hell? Man? <laughs> the, main, the main villain is kind of like a quick mention. Oh, yeah, he's dead, by the way. And you're like, what? And there was half a second where I didn't even think you were going to get any kind of like view of what happened. Or maybe someone would come and be like, oh, yeah, this is what happened, you know. But, um, so I was glad that they actually entered the whole, oh, okay, this is how it went down thing, but, I don't know, just, considering he was the big baddie of the book, I feel like his death scene went a lot quicker than I would have anticipated it to. He needed to suffer more for all of his villainy. (laughs) So, but, you know, so it's like, just a lot of little stuff like that, like, I feel like certain aspects of it were rushed through that probably could have taken, considering how you know long the book is. You know, so. So that's those are my only real complaints. 
Yeah, I, find, I kind of feel the same way. It was, it was. I noticed that there was little parts of it that were that were kind of rushed. Yeah, and I think that was probably during the time when it would probably depend on on the mood that he was in at the time while he was writing the book. Maybe he or his publisher's like, "Hey, speed it along. I need some more chapters in so we can exactly, edit it." Exactly. <laughs> it was probably a, a real life instance that 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 determined his decision. That's what I think. Yeah. I have two complaints. There okay. is a writing trope. We don't see it that often anymore called queer coding, where to make your villain seem more other, you make him more queer. And this comes up a couple of times with Hescat, like, doesn't like women, doesn't see the need for women. He, he's not, I don't want, he's not never just come off as gay, but he, yeah. he's written in such a way that he's asexual. That's yeah, sexual. I noticed that too. No, no Some sociopaths are like that though, where they're, it just made me think of some of the, like, character, like the villains, the psychopaths and sociopaths and serial killers and things like that on like criminal minds and stuff like that where they're which is some of them they talk about some of the real ones too where they that they're winning over people in certain ways or killing people took place of that sexual need and things like that well i think for him you know he had other things that replaced that he never felt that physical thing he was uh, he was wrong in the head <laughs> he has some issues so I'm, that's kind of how I took it. But I, I see where you're going. The way it came off for me was this guy's asexual and mentally deficient. His asexual is a part of his villainy. Hmm. And it, it's something I, I had a problem with. Oh, I see what you mean. Because that, I, that I get your thing. Yeah. his being cast as asexual was also coupled with his villainy and like drastically different nature in the book and so it could be considered to be like a bad thing when in actuality of course being asexual is totally fine yeah i see okay Okay. i see where you're going it's not that wasn't how it came across to me but i see where you're going with that yeah it's not something we see a lot too much anymore but it was for a while a shorthand for villainy Mm -hmm. like if you if you make the villain maybe a little bit more flamboyant he comes off as the other. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it a lot with like old timey Disney villains, actually. Yeah, I can see um, that. I can see that. So it was just, it, it was something that I was like, I was aware of what he was doing, and I was just like, eh, I'm not, not too comfortable with 